Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week, we look at Britain's precarious position within the European Union. David Cameron, the Prime Minister's, promised to renegotiate the terms of Britain's membership of the EU, and after that, to hold an in-out referendum on British membership in 2017. Now, he thought this position would buy him domestic political peace, but apparently not. Many in his own Tory party are agitating for an even harder line position, and the anti-EU United Kingdom Independence Party is soaring in the opinion polls. An eventual British exit from the EU looks increasingly possible. So what's going on, and what did the other Europeans think of it all? Joining me in the studio is our UK politics commentator, Janan Ganesh, and on the line from Berlin, our correspondent there, Quentin Peel. Janan, if I can start with you, what is going on in the Tory party? You wrote a fairly uh, opinionated column today saying that they've become ungovernable. Yeah, I think the Tories have become monomaniacal on the issue of Europe. They're not only overwhelmingly in favour of exit, I'm referring to the parliamentary party rather than the leadership, they also hold that view with an intensity that's not matched by their views on any other subject. It's effectively become uh, the reason for the Conservative Party existing in the minds of a lot of backbench Tory MPs, a lot of the Tory commentariat. And so the pressure from the party on David Cameron to sketch out a path towards exit is overwhelming. That's why he gave the original pledge in January to hold a referendum in 2017. But it turned out that even that wasn't enough, and they wanted to seek further assurances and guarantees One way of doing that, they think, is by legislating in this parliament for that referendum in the next parliament, just to make it kind of ironclad. Now, that is nonsense. Parliaments can't bind future parliaments. Um, A future Labour government, for example, could just disregard that piece of legislation. And on top of all that, the legislation won't even get passed because the Liberal Democrats, who govern with the Tories, won't support it. But as a piece of political symbolism, and because the backbenchers don't like David Cameron very much, they pushed it very hard. And finally, last night, the Prime Minister relented. Now, explain to me, why has this bubbled up so intensely now? I mean, this bunch of Tory MPs have been in Parliament for a few years. The European Union's been been around for a long time. There's been a Euro crisis. But why is it coming to a head now? Well, it's come to a head in recent years, I would say, the past two years because they see the Eurozone crisis as the opportunity to strike, because the European Union will have to, for the sake of the Euro survival, form some kind of banking, fiscal, political union, they think. And that will require pretty fundamental treaty change. And in the course of that, Britain can either fundamentally renegotiate its membership, or if it fails to do that, seek a way out entirely. And so what continental Europeans view as a crisis which demands their attention on the narrow question of the euro, British Conservatives see as an opportunity to think much broader and uh, either loosen up the European Union or failing that leave entirely. And I think a source of a lot of, a lot of European frustration with the, with the Brits is this assumption that we have over here, that the eurozone crisis is an opportunity for us, 
rather than a, a moment of you know almost existential terror for the currency for the union uh, itself. Okay, so Quentin, what do they think of all this in Berlin? Is it simply exasperation? Do they regard it as a major problem for the European Union? What's going on in Britain, or is it a bit of a sideshow? I think they regard it with absolute fascination and a very significant degree of horror. I heard a very senior German politician in recent days said that a decision to leave would be dreadful for Britain and a disaster for the rest of Europe. He actually implied that it could be even worse for the rest of Europe to lose Britain, partly because that would be such a vote of no confidence in the European Union and would be interpreted as such, I think, around the rest of the world, but also that particularly from a German perspective, Britain has always been seen as a very necessary balancing factor in Europe, a balancing factor to protectionist France, much more free trading and and much more pro-market in line with German views. So certainly they are very concerned. They don't agree with where the British want to go. I thought Janet's choice of words just now was very interesting when he said that the British regarded the you know the narrow issue of saving the euro would uh, could be used to allow the big issue of renegotiating british membership of course from a continental perspective they would see that completely the other way around the fundamental issue of saving the euro is being cynically used by the british conservative party and by david cameron to actually try and get a rather narrow deal just for Britain to get a better deal out of Europe. So they're really worried that this game plan of David Cameron's could undermine what they see as the fundamental thing that needs doing, which is saving the euro and and solving the eurozone crisis. So how do you think they'll play it, Quentin? Because obviously the Germans are, are critical to how the chips will fall in the next couple of years. You say on the one hand, they think Britain leaving would be a disaster and they'd obviously like to keep the British in. On the other hand, do they see the British as potential wreckers in the efforts to save the euro? How do you think they'll play it? Will they try to give Cameron something or will they in the end say he's asking for too much? Well, what they're trying to persuade him to do, and I think we saw this in the drafting of his speech that he was responding to this, is persuade him to go for... Uh, secondary legislative reforms that everybody can share to make the European Union less bureaucratic, more competitive, to draw up a list of things that everybody could share to say Europe will work better. But what they're very unhappy about, I think, is the idea that Britain will fight for primary legislation changes, i.e. treaty changes, to give Britain more special deals, more opt-outs. Now, Guido Westerwelle, the German foreign minister, has used the words very publicly, no cherry-picking. I've heard Angela Merkel use exactly the same language in private. So where I think David Cameron and Downing Street keep believing that Angela Merkel will make concessions to keep him on board and to give him something he could bring back to a referendum, it's seen very differently here. The scale of those concessions would be, I think, much narrower. And Janan, one also has the suspicion that almost anything that Cameron renegotiates will in the end ultimately prove irrelevant because the Tory right and UKIP will reject it anyway. Yeah, I think renegotiation is is the rub in this whole subject. And even though only a third of the parliamentary party supports exit 
pretty much unequivocally, I would say another third to a half, only support staying in the EU if membership is renegotiated to an extent that I, that I think, and I suspect Quinton thinks, is fanciful. So they would want pretty deep treaty change. They would want to be freed from pretty much all social, employment, economic, financial regulation and much else besides. None of that is going to happen, I don't think. And so the majority of the Conservative Parliamentary Party are de facto in favour of exit because their vision of renegotiation is is fanciful. I think a lot of people in number 10 actually recognise that they can't win specific derogations for Britain on its own, but they're very hopeful of loosening things up for all 27 members. And they think that Germany is so keen, as well as countries like Holland, on Britain remaining a part of the EU to underwrite the kind of integrity of the single market, to counterbalance French views on protectionism, etc., that they will agree to those changes at 27. But I don't think that's likely. Even if those changes did occur, they would not be so profound and so sweeping as to please either Tory backbenchers or UKIP. And so that section of opinion, I think, is more or less entirely unbiddable. Okay, Uh, Quentin, I mean, a lot might come down to this rather crucial question you alluded to of treaty change, which I know many other European powers, France, the Dutch, who lost referendums on treaties in the past, are completely averse to the idea of having a fundamental rethink that would require them to have a referendum. But the Germans have gone, seem to have gone backwards and forwards on whether you might actually need treaty change simply in the in the course of saving the euro. Where are they? <laughs> divided, which is often a position in Germany, and all those who sit outside Germany and say, oh my God, Germany's the big bully, forget that so often there are deep internal divisions. And what we've got, I think, is that both Wolfgang Schäuble, the finance minister, and Westerwelle, the foreign minister, have come out very publicly and said, we need treaty change. Angela Merkel, always the trimmer, always the cautious one, is being much more cautious. And she's trying to argue at the moment, maybe we can do quite a lot without treaty change. And that would give her two things. One, it would help her difficult friend, Francois Hollande, because he is desperate not to have treaty change. It split his party last time they had it. And it would avoid giving David Cameron the chance for full-scale treaty change. So she's now playing it down, playing down the prospect of treaty change, saying, well, we'll never rule it out, but not yet. We don't need it yet. We can do a lot without it. I just want to add one more thing, though, because I think one thing that is going for David Cameron on this are these really dreadful opinion poll figures that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, suggesting just how negative the electorates of Europe have been getting about the European Union and the European project. And I think that everybody, Angela Merkel included, needs to be trying to answer that negative feeling. Now, she would say, solve the euro crisis, we'll do a great deal to do it. But it's actually make the European Union more relevant to people, more understandable to people, more loved by people. And that's maybe something that Cameron and Merkel could sit down and work out together. Okay, Janan, just uh, finally, if we look ahead and and take what seems to me the most plausible scenario, that Cameron gets a, a renegotiation, gets something, but not very much, certainly not enough to satisfy the Tory party or UKIP. We're, at, we're then in the referendum in 2017. Do you think Britain would vote to stay in or to go out? By a very narrow margin, I suspect it would vote to stay in. I think a combination of innate British conservatism 
small C conservatism and the moderate amount of renegotiation he manages to pull off will be enough to win that vote. But the real story of that campaign will be the pandemonium in the Conservative Party because you'll have a leader campaigning to stay in and almost certainly a majority of the Conservative Party campaigning to leave the EU. So if he wins, his career ends because there's no way they'll tolerate him as their leader anymore. And if he loses, his career ends as well because he'll be the Prime Minister who's lost a, a referendum on an existential question of British membership. And so if any piece of certainty exists in all this is that we now know pretty much the date of the end of David Cameron's premiership. It'll either be the next election in 2015 or the day after the EU referendum in 2017. Janan, that's such a nice thought. I think I'll leave it there. Janan Ganesh here in London and Quentin Peel in Berlin. Thank you both very much. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 